So the first, uh, the first memory that I have, I think, of experiencing kind of real pain in my life was when I was sitting in the Cook County Courthouse listening to the judge sentence my brother to three years in prison. And I remember just glancing over at my parents in that moment and it looked like they just had their heart just ripped from their chest. Every night for more nights that I can remember, I lay in bed just listening to my parents cry themselves to sleep night after night after night. I remember having like a deep sense of dread on those Saturday mornings when it was family visitation day and trying to bring some sense of light into my brother's very dark world. I'll never forget the image of my brother breaking down and just weeping bitterly behind the glass that separated us, which was an image I'd never seen before. I was 13 years old when I had that experience, and that changed me forever. That pain became part of who I am today. After his third time in prison, I was 20, and I learned more, a lot more. I learned that the people that we love the most tend to hurt us the deepest, even if it's not intentional. I learned that the experience of hurt and pain changes a person forever, And I learned that I should never, ever expect to live a life that is pain-free, this side of heaven. I think that we can all identify with having moments in our lives where it seems like we can't cry hard enough to express the sorrow that just cuts into our soul. A pain so deep, a loss so great, that even though you may try your best to run as far away from it as you can, when you finally slow down in the quiet moments of your life, even years later, you realize that that pain is still there with you and it's still very, very real. Suffering, pain, hurt, sorrow, it's like the common thread that brings us together in the most raw form of our humanity. It leaves us exposed and vulnerable and in need of healing. And the question is, how do I get it? 
And how do I move on after what I've just been through? After what I've just seen? We've been doing this series called Wrestling with God, and it's been a pretty heavy series. And the thing about it is we have no answers for you. But we're just trying to have an open, honest conversation about kind of the things that we struggle with and give you the Bible's perspective on it best we can. And today it's wrestling with God in the midst of our hurt and pain. And there's no easy answers, and the process of healing is different for all of us. In the last days that I had with my mom before she died, and she is truly the strongest person of faith that I've ever known in my life, I was able to sit down with her and just to have some honest conversation about what she's going through and to get her perspective and really just to have kind of one last lesson. And so in the midst of the conversation, I asked her, I said, so how is dealing and struggling with this cancer, how has that impacted your faith? And without even blinking, she reaches over and she grabs her Bible and she opens it up and she says, this is a passage that gets me through every single morning. Even though I feel like my life is slipping away, this is a passage that I hold on to every day. And so she begins to read from Romans 5, where the Apostle Paul says, therefore, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It's interesting because in this verse where the Apostle Paul talks about our sufferings, he's talking about the fact that our suffering, our pain, our hardship, our struggles in our life are very personalized for us. It has the idea that my pain and my hurt that I experience in my life is very different than all of yours. It's unique to me so that they are truly my sufferings. I take ownership of this suffering. It's the idea that The pain that I experience, the hardship that I experience in my life is customized just for me. Which sounds bizarre, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like this picture that I get is like there is this event that's out there that's stuck right in the middle of my path, of my journey, that is set up to provide pain for me. And there's no way to avoid it, but I have to walk right through it. 
Isn't that an odd concept? Everyone in this room, I think, could share a story that would absolutely rip your heart out about how you've been hurt, how you've experienced some deep sense of pain or loss. But what that means is that every single one of us has a story about how our pain and how our brokenness has made us who we are today. It's in our DNA. It's part of our story. And I think that we have a choice, right? I mean, there comes a point where you have a choice. That we can either embrace that and grow as a result of what we've been through. Or we can stay stuck right there in that event, in this kind of swirl that we can never, ever seem to get out of in this pain. And the truth is that there are a whole lot of people who are never, ever able to recover out of that. And when that happens, people get angry. Most of the time they get angry with God. Being angry at God is kind of a natural response to pain. I mean, people have wrestled with their anger towards God since the beginning of time. When something tragic happens in our lives, we ask God, why? It's a natural response. And sometimes it's not so much that we're really angry with God as if he somehow did this thing to you intentionally, like he made this happen. But it's more of when there's nobody else in the world left to blame, when something tragic happens, he's an easy target. He is supposedly, after all, supposed to have the whole world in his hands. Everything's under control, under his control, right? And I think that what we're really asking is not so much why, Because we know stuff happens. But why me? Why does this happen to me? You know, I try to live a good life. I've tried to follow God best I can. Why me? And it's in those times that we wrestle with God, wondering where he is, and when and if he's going to show up. And why is he not doing something already? Meanwhile, the pain is so unbearable, deep down, you can't help but wonder if God even cares at all. I think if we're honest with each other, the truth is that we've all gone through times where we have questioned God, or we've been angry with God, or we have had our doubts. And you have to know it's okay. It just is. It's very much part of the human experience of what it looks like to work through our faith in God. The problem is that somehow we were taught to believe that, you know, if we question God or we're angry with God, look out, lightning bolts are going to fly. And you better stay away from that person. And they probably didn't really even have any faith at all in the first place. So instead of dealing with those tough faith issues in a healthy and honest way, 
we stuff them. We stuff them because we're afraid of what people will think about us if we talk about those things in an honest way, about how we really feel, about what just happened. Look, I have doubts all the time. I question God constantly, probably more than I should. But it does not crack the foundation of my faith. And just while we're at it, I want you to know that Westridge is a safe place where you can express your doubts and the way that you feel and to know that you won't be judged because there's a whole lot of us who are in that bucket. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. But it's very important, I think, that when we're in those times that we acknowledge it and we get it out because it helps us to process it in a healthy way rather than staying stuck in bitterness. And what happens is, eventually, it may not be a big deal, but it comes out later and it builds resentment over time. It's no different than any other relationship with your end. If you're in a marriage, you know you have something against your husband, you have something against your wife, and you don't talk about it, you don't deal with it. Over time, five years, ten years, fifteen years later, it's still there. You haven't dealt with it, and now you have resentment toward each other because of what have you done. I would much rather have someone take issue with me or question what I'm saying or to be honest about the issues that they have with me than to just give me a polite smile and a nod and act like they're really nice when deep down it's not the way they really feel about me. That's not a real relationship. And so if we're made in the image of God, don't you feel like God's the same? That he would rather have an honest relationship with you where you feel the freedom to communicate your feelings, your doubts, your anger, the stuff that you're dealing with in a total honest and candid way? I do. That's the basis of an authentic relationship. And I'm telling you the way that I read my Bible is that there is one ground rule for having a relationship with God, and that is that we go into this thing with authenticity. Struggling with God over the issues of life doesn't show a lack of faith. It is faith. That's what faith looks like. And working through those tough issues in an honest way, I believe, can actually make your faith stronger. I think... That's exactly the point that Paul is trying to make. And I can't get into his head totally, but when he says that we can glory in our sufferings, I'll put that aside for a second because that's a whole other thing. But we can glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character ultimately produces hope. So it seems like to me, that the Apostle Paul is almost like building a framework for our faith. And unfortunately, it sounds to me like suffering is like the driving force behind the whole thing. That when we go through those times of pain, we learn how to persevere. 
And the word picture that he has in the, way, in the word that he uses here for perseverance is that we are to bear up under something and then continually and persistently apply force against it. The image that comes into my mind is I'm standing in the middle of a field and all of a sudden the earth like falls on my head. And it's like trying to push me down and I have my hands up trying to push it back so it doesn't drive me into the ground. It has the idea of perseverance that it takes everything that is in us to find the strength to make it through whatever it is that we're dealing with. And from perseverance, something happens. When we persevere, something happens. All of a sudden, it produces a character in us that changes us forever. We become different. If you have ever walked through a tragedy in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about because when you get on the other side of that thing, you're different. Everything changes. The way you see the world is different. And all of a sudden, there is a depth and a substance about us that we never had before because of the things that we have had to endure and to walk through. So through our painful times, we can begin to see these building blocks of our framework of our faith emerge that causes us to look and to see and to go, wow, I have a faith that is so strong compared to where I was before I started this thing, I never thought possible. So it all sounds well and good, but my question is, why, why do you have to do the suffering thing in order to get to growth? Like, why do you have to go through all that crap in order to be able to achieve a strong faith? Like, there's got to be an easier way, doesn't there? Unfortunately, it has been proven time and time again that the way that we grow is through hard times. I'm a big fan of great wine. And one of the things I love to do with my wife, Shelby, is to tour the vineyards where some of our favorite wines come from. So every now and then we'll go to Napa or some other place to go tour the vineyards. And as you're taking these tours, you're, you're being toured by the wine grower and you're walking through these kind of rows of grapevines. And inevitably, at almost every tour, the wine grower will bend down and he will grab a handful of dirt. And he'll look at it, and he'll say, these vines have to struggle to be great. And at first, you don't really know what he's talking about, but then he says, you know, there's no irrigation in this place. We don't water these vines. They have to find moisture on their own. And the dirt, it's not great. It's pretty rocky, in fact. But what happens is, the more these vines have to struggle to survive the deeper they send their roots down into the earth and the stronger they get. And the stronger they become, the better the wine. Because the flavors are more concentrated, more powerful, and quite frankly, it makes for a more interesting wine. And I thought about it. You go, you know, if you place you or me in a near-perfect environment where you don't have to do anything really, 
It's like everything is provided for you, and you have very little motivation to improve yourself, right? Very little motivation to change everything, because everything's done for you. But when we go through hard times, everything's different. We have to dig in. We have to build a deep-rooted faith that can get us through whatever it is that we have to get through. It's got to be strong. It changes us forever, and the experience makes us stronger. And we have more substance, more of a depth about us, and quite frankly, even more interesting. I have to tell you that the people that I love hanging out with the most are the people that have been through the most hellacious tragedies in their lives because all of a sudden, they get it. They're done with trying to chase the superficialities of this world And they're focused on what is real because they've been to the other side, they've seen it, and they know. And I want to be part of something like that. Something real and honest. Perseverance has the idea that no matter how difficult life gets, no matter how battered and bruised my faith becomes, We hold on to that faith until the bitter end. And I think that's why my mom loved this passage of Scripture. When I asked her the impact that the cancer has had on her faith, after she read those verses, she looked up and she said, You know, I don't know whether I have a weak faith or not, but I can't find the strength to glory in my suffering. I can't glory in it. This is no fun. She said, but I can persevere. I can do what it takes to walk through this. And she said, and I will never, ever let go of my faith. She said, in fact, my faith has grown through this thing like I couldn't believe. And she said, it's for one simple reason. I have a hope that's real. And she was referring to the end of verse 5 when the Apostle Paul says that the result of everything that we go through ultimately does not have to lead us into despair, but it can lead us into hope of a whole new thing. And so he says that if we go through all this stuff, that we'll have a hope that will not disappoint us. Literally translated in the Greek, that we will have a hope that will not put us to shame. Paul is saying, go ahead. You hit hard times. It seems like you can't just go on. Go ahead. Put your faith in Jesus, and I promise you this. You will not be disappointed. When your back's up against the wall, go ahead. Put your faith in God. He will not leave you hanging. And even in the times when you feel alone, he is there. Personally, I still have a hard time accepting this biblical idea that we are to rejoice in the face of trials and sufferings. And it's in the Bible a few times. And I've really tried to like 
study that word rejoice and get back to the root of it and try to see if there's some other translation for it so I could translate it in a different way. But unfortunately, every time I do, it comes out to be rejoice. I don't like it, but it's there. And it's tough. The idea that joy, true joy, is not found in the avoidance of pain, like we would all love to think it could be, but that somehow our true self only emerges after we've gone through the fire of pain and hurt, and because of it, it makes me the person that I am meant to become. That's really tough for me. And to be honest with you, there couldn't be a worse timing for this message than this week because we here at Westridge are having a really hard time because we're going probably through one of the most heartbreaking moments that we've ever experienced where our executive pastor, Norm Whitney, who has uh, been battling cancer for some time now, barring some miracle, it appears that he is in our, his last days with us. And I've had the privilege of being able to sit with him several times over the last several weeks, as many of you have, which has been so meaningful for him. And his health has deteriorated noticeably more and more every time I see him. And while he's in some really bad physical pain, he's very aware that his death is imminent. And he's maintained this, like, beautiful faith through the whole thing. And I have to admit, it's a faith that I could only dream of having when I'm faced with that moment. And you can just see it in him, like when you're around him, that it's not only just the family and friends that he cherishes so much that give him such a great source of joy, but he talks about the fact that this has given him the opportunity to share his faith and to strengthen the faith of others who are struggling to believe themselves. And he genuinely wants to make a difference in their lives. And you know, when you find somebody like that who's real, who's the real deal, who has a real kind of faith like that, and you find them in that moment, in those last moments, you just want to know, what is it? What is it that they have? You can't help but face your own mortality and your own weaknesses. And and in the midst of his pain and the midst of I would be going, why is God taking me so soon, so prematurely? He's like very focused in on everybody else. Like, I'm serious. I was sitting there a few days ago next to him on his bed and I'm like sobbing and he's like rubbing my back and consoling me and telling me it's going to be okay. (laughs) 
But instead of being focused in on all of that, he has this incredible perspective of this and this sense of joy in the whole thing that he knows in a matter of days he's going to be with Jesus. But for me, I can already start feeling the pain of losing him. And to be honest with you, I'm having a really hard time with it. And I'm really wrestling with God about it. But if you believe in the Bible, and I hope you do, the Bible promises us this. That from the ashes of our lives blowing up, from the pain of our brokenness God will do something beautiful he uses those hard times those times that we have to go through the suffering and pain to mold us and to create us into the people he wants us to become because God knows like when we're left to our own vices when things are going good we could care less about God We want to be independent. We want to leave him behind. We want to do it on our own. We don't have time for God. But when we're laying there in the middle of the street, beaten up, bruised, bleeding, in those moments, you know, I need God. And in that moment, when we finally reach out our hand, That, that is the moment our faith finds strength. Wrestling with God and facing your pain in an honest way doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. And it makes your faith very, very real.